Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. Presence is here with us. Let's worship. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it
ahead and be seated. So great to see everyone here today. Thank you for being here with us at Peckway Church. It's always a joy and a privilege to worship with you. And, uh, you know, we love to connect with people uh, or connect people and God to one another. And, uh, you know, one of the ways that we can do that together is uh, by filling out the connection cards. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and look inside of your bulletin today. You're going to find a gray connection card. Online, you're going to find a connect link in the chat window. Um, And then if you're a first-time guest, you can simply take out your mobile phone and you can text the word hello to 717-872-5679. You'll see the information there on the screen. But in doing so, it simply opens a line of communication between us so that we can provide you with information so you can see if Peckway Church uh, would be a good fit for you. Also, as a first-time guest, we have a free book, which I meant to bring with me, but uh, you can find that out at the welcome desk uh, as you leave this morning. And the name of the book is called How Good is Good Enough. That's by Andy Stanley, and that is a gift for you as a first-time guest with us here today. Well, this morning we're beginning a brand new sermon series, and it's called Faith Over Fear. And you know, in the song we just sang, uh, we praise you. We sang the lyric, fear cannot survive when we praise you. And that's just one of the ways uh, that we can overcome our fears by praising the Lord. You know, there are a lot of things that we can be afraid of. So what I want you to do is just take a moment. I want you to, th- uh, to think of the things um, that you might fear. It could be roller coasters, maybe walking in a dark alley, or it could be things like, um, you know, your future that you're thinking about, or a job, or your finances. So just take a moment, think about that, uh, and as I'm still talking to you, okay? Um, but as we begin to focus on our fears, on those kinds of things, we can become overwhelmed and we can lose sight of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so, you know, we can begin to doubt those things or we can start depending on things that aren't secure. Um, and I've been in those moments many times throughout my life where, you know, sometimes our fears seem bigger than our faith. But I can tell you that Jesus has always been faithful and he continues to be faithful. But I know it's a scary first step, taking that step of faith. And you know, it's a lot like a trust fall. Jesus, I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. (laughs) I have an exercise that I think will really help. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm -hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. Well, this is all part of the exercise. All right. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? Uh, Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. (laughs) You can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well, Jesus, I trust you. (laughs) Yes. Do you trust you? I'm going to fall Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's great. Uh, okay. Let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted. All right? Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay. I'm going to do it. All right. I'm really going to do it. <laughs> okay. Good. Ah! Oh, Jesus, you really caught me. I didn't think you were going to catch me, but you did. Oh, that was great. That was great. You're ready for level two. Level two, here yes. I come, baby. Woo! Whoa. Whoa. Okay, hold it. <laughs> oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different, Laura. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh-huh. But face me. Woo! 
forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. <laughs> yes. The okay. Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> Especially when you do it. <laughs> Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus. I don't know if you noticed this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. My hope is that you will stay with us throughout the series and not walk away from what can be one of the most amazing things that can happen in your life. As we learn how trusting in Jesus can deepen our faith and help us overcome our fears and keep us from living an abundant, peaceful, and joyful life. Would you stand with us as we sing? Because we can have joy when we trust in Jesus. I've got joy in the struggle. I've got peace in the storm. I've got strength in the battle I don't fear anymore I'm a child of heaven And my hope is secure I've got joy Cause I've got Jesus He gave me beauty for ashes Turned my life around He broke my chains And now I dance on solid ground For all he's done to save me
trust in him and take that simple faith. We do let trust fall. As we're talking about love today, we just talked about falling, but now I want you to think about standing, standing firm in who Jesus says. When we do, he's got us. He's not going to let us go. So let's worship him for that. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, when brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken, I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance Stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. amazing grace that we can stand in his love this morning and that our fears are overcome because he is so much bigger 
than our fears. So let's praise him for his amazing grace.
and thank God with me this morning that he is forever with us. God, we thank you so much for your love. God, for the joy that we can have when we know you. And Father, I know that uh, in this room uh, and online, no matter where we are, we all face fears. We have troubles all around us and We can't escape those as much as we might want to, but God, we can have you to fall on today as we've seen uh, and sang and talked about so much already, God, um, that our fears can be overcome whenever we trust you, when we look to you, uh, when we place our eyes on you. I I think, uh, uh, Lord, just as we uh, are surrounded by those things, God, that we can we can come to you and praise you, Father, just whisper your name, just tell you that we need you, Jesus. And so I thank you for what you're going to do today, that our fears can be displaced by your love as we uh, take our step of faith today to trust you. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you, Pastor Scott, and thank you, worship team. It's a privilege to be with all of you again this morning, and I'm looking forward to this uh, six weeks together, uh, looking at this issue of faith over fear. And uh, I would just like to just take another moment, and uh, let's just bow our heads. I'd like to, to have a brief word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have revealed yourself over and over again to be the one who is trustworthy and true. And so I pray for us now and over these next six weeks that you would just reveal yourself to us all in the midst of whatever it is we're dealing with, whatever fears we may be holding on to right now, reveal yourself to us indeed as the one who is trustworthy and true, that we may indeed just fall into your arms in full trust, embracing your grace. And in light of that, I pray for each and every one of us right now, Lord, that you would just, through your Holy Spirit, open our eyes so that we may see, our ears so that we may hear, and our hearts so that we may understand more about who you are and who it is you're calling us to be. We lift this up to you in your precious name. Amen. All right. Well, I love that that trust fall video. That's such a good illustration to kick off this series, um, because in, in a sense, when we deal with this issue of faith over fear, a question we could ask ourselves is, in any given moment, what do we actually see? Because sometimes, if we're looking through the lens of fear, we might see something that's not actually there, or we might see a situation as it actually is, is not But fear is one of those things that's a reality in our lives. I mean, let's just think of the last two years and everything we've experienced corporately as as just a, a people. Fear of COVID, fear of maybe some other health issues, fear of a recent diagnosis perhaps, fear of the war in Ukraine and its effects globally, fear of inflation, There's even talk now about monkeypox. How's the 401k doing? Is that causing fear for some of us? 
We could go on and on and list out numerous other things, but as followers of Jesus Christ, how should we respond to fear when it becomes present in our heart and in our mind? I believe that fear is a major theme in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, and that's where we're going to be camped out over these next six weeks, is in that Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. One of the key issues within 1 Samuel, I believe, is a contrast between Saul and David, and ultimately their kingship. David, we'll see in 1 Samuel, is held up as the main example. Some scholars actually say that the book of 1 Samuel could be called the book of David because David seems to be the, the exemplar in 1 and 2 Samuel. David is described in 1 Samuel as a man after God's own heart. And we see in David a man who is devoted to the Lord, and this is meant to be a reminder to us, as well as a call to us, to be men and women of wholehearted devotion to the Lord, regardless of our circumstances. But both David and Saul sin. David's isn't recorded until uh, later in 2 Samuel, but uh, Saul's is recorded in 1 Samuel, and we'll, we'll look at that over these next couple weeks. But when they are each held accountable, David repents in faith while Saul doesn't. In light of this, at its core, this is all about our relationship with the Lord. Essentially, what we'll see in David is a picture of living by faith, while when we look at Saul, we'll see a man who was guided in his life more by fear. And as we dig into this topic over these next six weeks, my hope and prayer for us is that we will be encouraged to live our lives out from that overflow of our deeply rooted faith in Jesus Christ, rather than living out of a fear-based life. And so now I'd like to turn to 1 Samuel 13, and if you uh, brought your Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there, and if you uh, don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen, but you could also uh, grab one of the pew, bio pew Bibles um, in front of you and turn to page 193 in the, the Pew Bible. And so let's look at these 15 verses. Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned over Israel 42 years. Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him at Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gibeah and Benjamin. Jonathan is Saul's son. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become obnoxious to the, Philippine, or the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand of the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of beth Aven. When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad in Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. 
He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. He said, Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time that, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and Benjamin. And Saul counted up the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. So there are numerous principles I think we can pull from this passage regarding this issue of faith over fear. And the first one is just simply this. Life will always bring difficulty to your front door. We tend to live in a culture that tries to do everything and anything, it seems, to escape any hardships, any difficulties in life. But the reality of life is simply that hardships will come. So it's not a matter of can we live a life of comfort that's hardship-free, but the bigger issue then is how do we embrace the hardships and the difficulties when they come because life will always bring them to our front door. We see this again in... 1 Samuel 13 verses 1 through 5 where we're told about Saul's kingship and we're told that Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him at Michmash in the hill country of Bethel and 1,000 were with Jonathan his son at Gibeah and Benjamin. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. And then we're told that Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba and ultimately then the, the uh, Israelites became obnoxious to the Philistines. And so there's this, to use Jesus' words, there's this war and rumor of war as two sides are beginning to come together and get ready for a face-off. Fighting between the Philistines and Israel is being renewed here after a, a period of time where they had relative peace. And the Philistines seem to be gathering a pretty substantial force against Israel, according to this passage. And as we look at what's taking place here, I can't help but to think of um, those wise words from that great theologian, Iron Mike Tyson, when he said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Life will bring difficulty to your front door. It's an unrealistic expectation to think that we can live in this fallen world and never have to deal with difficulty. It will come, and when it comes, how will you respond to it? How will we respond to it? The second point is this. Difficulties can often be a battleground for spiritual warfare. Look at verses 6 and 7 again. When the Israelites saw their situation was critical and their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad in Gilead. 
Now, context here is that Saul's troops, in light of the apparent odds, which doesn't appear to be in Israel's favor, they begin to run and hide, and some of them even run and leave the country because they are so gripped with fear. Friends, life is constant spiritual warfare, but it's not like it would be depicted in a Hollywood movie. It's not big and, and crazy. Spiritual warfare is a primarily, primarily a battle, a daily battle in our hearts and in our minds. And it e- impacts even the little decisions that we make daily. And fear can have this great effect in our lives. As we see here, they, again, they, they see that um, the Philistines, to use the words from the passage, their, their forces are more numerous than the sand on the seashore. That's pretty substantial. So their hearts and minds give way to fear, which causes them to flee. And this is another example of our third point, Fear can be highly contagious and spread like a virus. Look at verse 8. Well, let me uh, read the second part of verse 7 there as well. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. Verse 8, he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So we're told that Saul's troops were shaking, quaking in fear. And we'll see a couple weeks later, this isn't the only time that Saul's troops will be quaking and shaking with fear. But Saul sees them fleeing. He sees them shaking with fear. And their fear, it seems, starts then to become Saul's fear. And he seems then to be acting more out of fear rather than faith here. And there's a couple other factors that play into his fear. One of those is regarding the prophet Samuel. Samuel told him previously that that he would come seven days and he would um, make the offering to the Lord to seek the Lord's favor prior to the battle. And Saul's looking and he's waiting and he's waiting and the seventh day comes and Samuel's not here yet. And so, uh uh-oh, that just compounds his fear. And then again, as we just pointed out, his troops are deserting him. Some are even fleeing the country. Should he continue to wait? How many troops will he have left? Will they be even to stand against the substantial troops of the Philistines? So the fear of the troops and the situation of being alone now becomes Saul's fear. And so we see the example here that fear as well as other emotions, can be highly contagious. Highly contagious and spread like a virus. Um, Scientists and and psychologists and and social scientists, uh, they love to do different kind of tests. You know, tests where they they may um, have a a man and a woman get into an argument on a a sidewalk and then they just see who, uh, what passers-by, how they respond right? Well, there was a a group that did one such test with college students. They, um, I forget the reason why, but they they had them gathering in a room, and while they were gathered in the room, they were sitting there waiting, and after a period of time, they began to pump smoke into the room through a vent. 
So the room began to fill with smoke. And they would have a a plant in the room, meaning they would have somebody who was in on it be a part of the group. And at a certain point, they would respond in a certain way. And they found out that when that person who was planted in that room, when they would respond calmly to the situation, everybody else in the room would respond calmly to the situation. But when that person responded uh, um, uh, wildly and with, with fear and began to just kind of act out in light of the situation, guess what? The others began to respond fearfully as well. This is just a, another simple reminder to us of, of uh, the company that we keep, right? Who, who do you spend the most of your time with? Because whoever we spend the time with will become like... We become like them. Behavior, emotions, these things are very contagious. It's a reminder to us that our difficulties can often be shaped more by what's in our heart and in our mind and our environment as well as what's going on in the world around us. Our fourth point, fear can lead us than to make foolish decisions. Fear can lead us to make foolish decisions. And I believe this is exactly what Saul does in response to the fearful situation. Look again at verses 9 through 12. So Saul said, Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw that the men were scattering, and that you did not come at the set time that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Now, a little bit of context here, a little bit of background. The king of Israel was not to initiate warfare at will, but rather had to receive marching orders, to use that language, from the Lord through the prophet. In this case, it was Samuel. And so prophets at this time would stand next to the kings and they would speak God's word regarding the specific situation that Israel and the troops found themselves in. But Saul, in this instance, decides to move ahead foolishly. He acts on his own rather than wait for God's prophet and thus ultimately waiting on God and his word. And this, according to what Samuel says, is ultimately his failure as king of Israel. But I think there's two typical responses for us regarding our fear-based decision-making. We can, either, we can either go one of two ways and just kind of focus on two ends of the spectrum. The one end of the spectrum, which is really what we, we see in Saul in this moment, is that we can be men and women that can, in fear, we can move ahead too fast on our own. We can move ahead too fast on our own. We can take matters into our own hands. And this can sometimes lead to us in, in blaming other people. This is what Saul seems to do in, in verse 12. He says, uh, to, to, um, he says, so I felt compelled 
to Samuel. I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. In other words, you didn't show up. Where were you? So I felt I had to do this on my own. Samuel, it's your fault. If you would have only been here on time, I wouldn't have had to do this. He's making blame. He's placing blame. Decisions we tend to make out of fear, my friends, are decisions that ultimately we may come to regret. We need to be a people that fight daily for the faith of our hearts. Let me give you an example from my own life. Um, Confession time. I have an anxiety about rain. I used to enjoy laying in my bed at night, hearing the rain, a summer storm on the, you know, hit, hit pitter-patter on the, the ceiling. And, you know, I used to enjoy that until the first house that Stacy and I bought together um, had water issue in the basement. And we had to get the whole, you know, drain system put in there. And guess what? Then when we moved up to the Poconos, the house we rented, guess what? Had water issues in the basement. And then from there, we bought another house in the northern Poconos, and guess what? More water in the basement. Like, I became this guy that when, like, I would be constantly watching the weather. Stacy calls me Jim Cantori. I don't know if you know who that is. He's like the Weather Channel guy. She joke calls me Jim Cantori because I was, I was always pulling out my, my phone or on the computer checking the weather radar. Like, oh, there's a storm coming in. Looks like we're going to get about one inch. We'll be good. We'll be good. Oh, two inches, three inches. Oh, I'm getting worried. You know, then I found myself being a guy that would lay in my bed during a storm at night and wondering, oh, what's the basement look like right now? Right? Fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. Even the house we have now on Willow Street, we had to get another uh, uh, basement drainage system put in. Right? If you're looking for a house, don't ask me to come and get my opinion on it, Okay? But here's the thing, I was stressing out about this. I I felt fearful pressure to do something and to do something right away regarding our our house here in Willow Street. And I I had to fix this. You know, I was talking about going to the bank, taking out a loan, you know, which would have meant going into a little more debt to deal with this. And uh, I used to, at the time, I used to meet with uh, two friends of mine, a married couple, Lee and Rita, some wonderful uh, older mature saints in the Lord. And, and Friday, every Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, I'd go to their house and I would just sit in their living room with Lee and Rita and we would just talk and we would spend time in, in prayer together. A good hour or so uh, just in prayer. And I was sharing with them about my fear and, and my anxiety and about you know, my plans to just move ahead and to remedy this situation immediately. And I'll never forget what they said to me. They said... You won't do anything. I said, what? They said, you won't do anything. They were speaking truth into me in that moment. I was ready to move ahead too fast on my own, but they were telling me to pump the brakes, to wait on the Lord, to pray, and to make a long story short, I can say today that God provided a remedy for that situation. And now I can sleep soundly when it rains again. 
Are you someone that moves ahead too fast on your own as a result of fear? The other end of that spectrum is then we either freeze up and we don't do anything. And this is often after God gives us clear directions. We can still freeze up because of the fear and we don't do anything. When we do this, we tend to forget God. We forget His love. We forget His security. We forget His truth. We forget His presence, which He promises in both the Old and the New Testament that He will be with us always, that He will not abandon us or forsake us. And we end up feeling stuck, even though we may know what we need to do, but in the moment, our forgetfulness of God due to the fear keeps us frozen in place. I love what Jesus does in, in John 16.32. In John 16.32, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's getting ready to, uh, in John 17, to enter into his high priestly prayer where he prays for, for the saints and uh, prays for the unity of the church and prays for strength and all these various things. And at the end of John 17 or 16:32, there, Jesus, he knows the cross, he's, he's about to be betrayed, he's about to be arrested, he's about to be tried, he knows what's coming. But I, I love what he says here to his disciples. He tells them, A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me. All alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Jesus knows that when he's on the cross and when he's undergoing his trial, now we know that, that uh, Mary and we know Peter's there at a distance and we know some people are, are there at a distance, but Jesus essentially is all alone in that moment. When he's hanging on the cross, he is all alone in that moment. And when Jesus is saying these words in John 16, verse 32, he knows what's coming. And Jesus, being both fully God and fully human, Jesus had to deal with fear just as much as you and I do. If you don't believe me, just go read his time in the Garden of Gethsemane when he fell face down three times to pray. Luke tells us in that moment he was sweating drops like drops, his sweat was like drops of blood. He was in such agony there. Jesus proclaims the gospel of the presence of his Father to himself in this moment. He proclaims the gospel of the presence of his Father to himself in this difficult moment. He didn't forget what was true. And I think there's such an example for us in that example of Jesus. I would encourage us that we need to do the same thing and we need to do so daily. We need to be um, men and women who are learning to just saturate our hearts and minds in the presence of God and in the truth of his word. Contrary to our feelings, which can be good and helpful at times, but there are times when our feelings can also be inaccurate and they can tend to guide us in a wrong direction. 
We need to know the truth of God. I like what one pastor says. He says, get into God's word until God's word gets into you. Because that truth can be a powerful tool in dealing with the fearful situations that would tend us, cause us to freeze up and not do anything. And this leads us to our, our fifth and final point here. Living out of fear can have a detrimental effect on our relationship with God. Living out of fear can have a detrimental effect on our relationship with God. Look at verses 13 through 15 again from 1 Samuel 13. Saul says, you have done a foolish thing. And we could probably tack on there the words out of fear. (laughs) You have done a foolish thing out of your fear, Saul. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. That's David. And appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And then Samuel departs from there. Now, the context here is this, that the consequence of Saul's choice and action here in this moment is that he will still be the the king, but his kingship will not pass on to his son Jonathan. There will be no dynasty for his family. And that kingship will then, from Saul, it will pass on to David, who is a man after God's own heart. And so part of the underlying issue here is the issue of David's character as a man after God's own heart versus Saul's character. Saul exhibits a, or excuse me, David exhibits a like-mindedness with the Lord while Saul exhibits a self-focused fearful man. We see from this moment that fear and faith both breed different results. Fear of people and situations can breed disobedience to the Lord. And interestingly enough, Samuel warns both Saul and Israel about this very thing in the previous chapter. In chapter 12, verses 15 and verse 25, Samuel says this to to Saul and all of Israel. He says, but if you do do not obey the Lord and you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors. And then verse 25, he says, yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. Faith, on the other hand, faith breeds obedience and a healthy fear of the Lord. And again, just as Samuel warned against uh, uh, being a, a people of fear which leads to disobedience to the Lord, he also encouraged Saul and Israel to be a people of obedience and a healthy fear of the Lord. Again, in chapter 12, look at verse 14. He says, If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. And then look at verse 24. He says, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Friends, we need to learn to fight the fears of this world with a healthy fear of the Lord. Let me give you an example um, from a time in my own life. Um, One of the struggles that I had 
as I was growing up in, in leadership was having difficult conversations with people. I struggled to have difficult conversations with people. It made me feel uncomfortable. I didn't like how it made me feel uncomfortable. So I would tend to either put those conversations off until the very last moment where they absolutely had to have, uh, take place or um, I would end up not speaking truthfully when I needed to speak truthfully. That was a fear in my own heart and mind that I had to wrestle with. And I remember a time when I needed to have a difficult conversation with a person that I found particularly intimidating to be around. But just so happened that during that time, I was reading in my morning devotions, reading through the book of Proverbs. And that morning I was reading Proverbs 29 and I got to Proverbs 29 verse 25, which tells us this. It says, fear of a person will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And I just felt in that moment, I just felt like God was telling me and encouraging me, saying essentially, Chris, don't be afraid of having this conversation because I will be with you and I will keep you safe. And all day long, I just kept reminding myself of that verse and reminding myself of the presence of God and I was able to have that conversation and it was difficult and it was uncomfortable but I was able perhaps for the first time to do so truthfully and forthrightly In that moment, I could have disobeyed out of fear and avoided that tough conversation, placating or downplaying the situation, but I chose to obey with the Lord's help and guidance, knowing that he was with me. And I believe the Lord grew me through that difficult situation. And that's what he wants to do in all of us. He wants to grow us through the difficult situations. So friends, in closing... Let us not be afraid of difficulties or the things of this world because we know that we have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So let us be those who remember Jesus' words in John 16, the second half of that verse, when he says to his disciples, which includes us, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I love, I love that verse. Because he doesn't, he doesn't say, you might have trouble. He doesn't say, well, it depends on the situation whether you'll have trouble or not. He says, in this world, you will. It's a foregone conclusion. Expect it. You will have trouble. But trouble never has the last say for the follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus has been victorious through the cross and the resurrection. He is the one who has overcome the world. So what do we have to be afraid of? Not even death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to just be reminded that in you, through Jesus Christ, we are called to be a people of peace instead of fear a people of trust instead of anxiety and this is all made possible through our lord and savior jesus christ 
Father, I pray that whatever fears or anxieties we are wrestling with, whatever we brought into this gathering this morning, Father, I pray that you would help us to just learn to, in a, a uh, helpful and holy way, give those over to you. And Father, I just want to pray that now and over these coming weeks, we would just grow in this area to be your faithful sons and daughters. And church, I want to encourage you this morning with every eye closed and head bowed, what is that fear that you brought into this place this morning? I just want to give you a moment to just speak that and give that over to the Lord in prayer quietly before him. Just mention that. And give it over to him and ask him to help you and to meet you in that place. Do this as a way of confession and sharing it with him. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for meeting us in the midst of these fears. We give them over to you and we pray that you would guide us to deal with them in a way that brings glory and honor to you and to the name of Jesus Christ through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you, Chris, for uh, that message this morning. And, you know, as he was talking, um, I wrote some questions, and it's, you know, how are we responding to fear today? Are we being shaped by what's going on around us? And uh, I'm not a preacher, but I'm trying to alliterate here. So three choices that we, or not choices, but three things that we could be doing. We could be following Jesus, meaning that the things that come at us, the fears that we have, that we're trusting him and walking with him, or maybe we're flailing, so we're struggling, thrashing about, and, or fighting with him because of the fear. Or we're flat out failing him, um, being, meaning that we're rebelling against what he's telling us uh, or asking him to trust us to do. And so in response to what Chris has said today, if you would on your card, you can write those words if you want, that you're following him, that you're flailing, or that you're failing um, or you could just simply write out what it is. If you would like to do that, we would love to pray along with you, um, pray with you as you commit to walking through this next six weeks uh, in this series to see how our faith can be built up and that we can overcome our fears. So you can do that on that gray card this morning. You can do it online. I'll ask that the host would put that connect card back in the chat window there as well. Um, one other thing, as we step out in faith, um, one of the things I know that's many times difficult is the financial challenges that we have. But one way we can worship God is through our giving. And um, we have that opportunity each and every week. And it's how that we are able to provide resources for you and for others, for those who are seeking the Lord. And so it's always that step of faith. But if you'd like to give today, you can do that in person. There's envelopes at the back of the room. You can also do that through our website. There's also the app. So many ways that you can do that today. Um, but if that's a challenge for you, pray about it. Ask the Lord how he'd want you to step. And maybe that's that first step of faith that we need to take together as a church.
Uh, thank you again for being here today. It's been a joy to worship with you. I look forward to doing it again next week, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.